This is Eric Corey, and thank you for taking the time to listen to my podcast. Now, what you're about to hear is something you have not heard before, a different story, if you will. My podcast take on social and political issues, but with a completely different approach. While not necessarily trying to change anyone's opinion, I am trying to present information that will get us all to think about things just a little differently. My name is Eric Corey, and here is a different story on the coronavirus. Now, how could one claim to be a commentator and not take the time to comment on one of the most historic events of our time, the coronavirus? It was a painfully complicated event that will be sliced and diced and analyzed for years to come. The how and the why and the what of what happened and the telling of personal stories will be the stuff of legend. Most certainly, critics from all sides will pick apart the decision-making and partisans will all make their cases based on their political leanings. The world will be filled with Monday morning quarterbacks pointing out mistakes and telling us how things should have been done. And I will be no exception. Because hindsight will always be 2020, I think I can tell you exactly what happened. There are no experts in the field of how to properly handle a global pandemic in the 21st century. Just a random bunch of people randomly providing information that we're all supposed to believe is true. Doctors and epidemiologists and scientists from all fields, they all got into the action and provided their expert opinion, advising us in different directions as to what was happening and telling us what was going to happen. It is contagious, and it's not contagious. It's good to wear a mask. Then masks do no good. Two million people will die. Okay, maybe only 100,000. I could go on and on. This all reminded me of bird brain, the stock-picking chicken. Now, as the story goes, back in 1995, a reporter for CNN came across this chicken in New York's Chinatown who could play tic-tac-toe. And apparently, the chicken never lost. So they had this great idea to coordinate a competition between bird brain and top-line experts in the financial field to select winning stocks. Two of the experts were legit guys, MBAs who managed huge mainstream stock portfolios. And the third expert was a portfolio manager who used astrology to buy and sell stocks, just to kind of make it all fair. They laid the stock pages from the Wall Street Journal and New York Times on the floor of Birdbrain's Coop, and they let him peck away. Now, his first five pecks were used as his selections. The experts made their five selections each, and the game was on. Now you know where this is going, right? The experts were proven to be anything but, as their selections failed miserably, while Birdbrain stocks went through the roof. As the founder of Vanguard Investment Group would later comment on the results, it wasn't even close. The point here is that the next time you hear someone calling themselves an expert or being referred to as an expert, remember Birdbrain and understand that there is no such thing as an expert when it comes to predicting the future. It's not to say that they didn't know what they were talking about. Most certainly they did. It's just that trying to predict the future while so many lives hang in the balance was something that called for deeper consideration, a more thoughtful process. It just felt as though the president and the state governors who were making these calls were way overmatched for the task. To be fair, I don't know that anyone could have had the foresight to efficiently solve this problem, given all the expertise of the world. This was clearly uncharted territory. I know there have been deadly viruses in the past, 
but not during a time when there was this level of instantaneous worldwide communication available to help manage the problem. You know, we fancy ourselves as this highly technologically advanced society with computers that can compute at the speed of light, and yet we didn't employ such power to solve this problem? Do you mean to tell me with all the microprocessors in the world, we couldn't find a way to feed all the proper information into one of these machines and gotten a better plan? I mean, did nobody think to run the scenarios of shutting down the world's economy to stop the spread of a virus in a simulator and measure the results? I mean, isn't that how it's done? Well, that's just not how the world works. Never has and never will. Because regardless of the catastrophe or calamity, those in charge of dealing with and solving such problems, well, they will always place as their first priority how best this can be used to benefit me. Sorry, man, I know you would all like to believe that there are these halo-wearing, altruistic people that run our country doing what's in the best interest of the people all the time. But it just ain't that way. And if you're honest with yourself, you know exactly what I mean. History is replete with examples of leaders doing whatever they have to do to hold on to power, even if it means leading their people to ruin. It's in the nature of every elected politician to maintain their lofty status at all costs and to never waste the political hay to be made during a crisis. Now, this event was no exception. The president was trying to limit the loss of life and the negative effect this deadly virus would have on our country, both physically and financially, so that he wouldn't be blamed for the fallout on re-election day. And those who won his job and the control that it brings, well, they did everything in their power to direct blame squarely on his shoulders and ridiculed every decision he made. He so clearly accentuated the harm and pain and, and worked to make it last as long as possible to make him look as bad as possible. And now here's where you'll come at me with your dates and your charts and your quoting of the experts. I know you all have your set of facts that make your arguments, and I already know that they will be presented in such a way as to support your pre-COVID political alliance. So please, don't insult my intelligence. You see, your neatly aligned facts will only exacerbate the problem and allow the perpetrators to escape the mantle of selfish indifference that they must be made to own. There was no conspiracy, only the continuing efforts of desperate people to either hold on to or acquire power, depending on your position heading into this tragedy. The real tragedy here is that this is how decisions are made in Washington, D.C. and around the country. Little to no consideration was given to the common man and woman whose worlds were completely upended, whose businesses were destroyed, and whose lives were forever changed. Politicians making decisions to limit your freedoms and our pursuit of happiness under the guise of protecting our health, well, they cared less about the human toll and, and more about the political gain to be had. Now, I get it. It was a virus without a cure. It was highly contagious, and many people died, and many more would have if not for the lockdown. That is not in dispute. Now, also not in dispute is how the cats and dogs kept on fighting like cats and dogs through it all. There were no conciliatory words or any attempt to bring together a nation and provide a positive message of unity to ease the pain and to rally the troops. No attempt to reconcile differences so that we can fight this battle shoulder to shoulder. And no attempt to lay down political weaponry and work together to get us through this historically difficult time. The lack of national unity during a time when it was needed most, that's the real tragedy. And it's one that will repeat itself if nothing is done to discipline the political warmongers. 
I'm sorry here. I apologize if I sound mad. It's because I am. I mean, I was absolutely livid on March on that day when the shutdown was first announced. Because I just knew, I just knew that the warring sides of right versus left would so use this opportunity to bludgeon each other without a moment's pause to consider the harm that that would cause. A complete shutdown, it was a lazy call, and it was only allowed to stand because it seemed to favor both sides for diametrically opposed reasons. And that's how I knew that this deadly virus was going to be used as nothing more than a political football to be kicked around on cable TV. I mean, man, I was seeing red as watch this political game being played out day after day while the business that I started 31 years ago, it, it withered and died. I screamed at my TV, where are the adults? Stop this madness. And the words of Benjamin Franklin rang in my ears for weeks. He said, those who would give up essential liberty to purchase a little temporary safety deserve neither liberty nor safety. Finally, an expert who can predict the future. He knew that governments always have and always will look to limit your liberties given the smallest opportunity to do so. Just read your history, as Ben Franklin most certainly did. Now, many history books will be written about this event, for sure. And they will show timelines of statements from all the experts involved and will paint a picture of a combination of utter incompetence and political shenanigans. Charts and graphs will be all detailed to showing the mistakes and all the bad calls made by the medical experts and the politicians who followed their advice. And what will ultimately be shown is how each side worked against the other in this scorched earth game that they play. There will be plenty of that in the months and years to come, but in the end, we will be left with one side pointing at the other with fingers of blame, even if it means twisting into a twizzler to do so, it will be the same old right versus left stalemate that seems to settle every argument in this country. And once again, we will have learned nothing. Whatever the next catastrophe is, we have to find a better way to make decisions that have such far-reaching effects and to make them with a higher level of contemplation. I promise you, man, when we look back on the lockdown, we will see it as an overreaction to a problem with biblical ramifications. We tried to kill a rat with an atom bomb because that's all we know how to do. And all because we didn't want the other side to win the day, to hell with the human cost. If any of us can turn a blind eye to the contempt for the American people that our leaders display during this most deadly time, then we cannot claim the title of a sophisticated society as we continue the practice of rummaging in the trash heap of partisanship. If we continue to be immovable from our political alliances in the face of such obvious dereliction of duty, then we will forever be doomed to repeat the cycle. Let this historical lesson be seen as a defining moment when politics were so clearly placed ahead of the good of a nation and to make it the last time it's done that way. The current political climate is so toxic, and that poison clearly interfered with the decision-making process. I mean, not just as it pertains to this virus, but in everything that we do today. It is time for us to look to a higher intelligence in our decision-making process. I see that we have the ability to process information in an unbiased way, using the advancements in technology that we've created. I'm not afraid of using artificial intelligence to help us make better decisions in the future. At least this way, we can be somewhat assured that decisions will be made based on the reality of facts and untainted by political considerations. 
I mean, is that too naive to propose? I know you will argue that even AI can be corrupted by the agenda of those who operate the machines. Sure, I guess that's possible. But it's also possible that the process can be made so transparent as to eliminate that possibility. You see, we have the technology, just not the political will to use it. Because if we did, a lot of people, and I mean a lot of people, would be out of a job. But not using the impartial intelligence of computing to help make us a better nation? It's like choosing to get your TV over the air instead of plugging in the cable. Now, I don't believe that the power of artificial intelligence can in any way replace the critical thinking that only human minds can provide. But in a crisis, we should utilize every tool in our toolbox to help us avoid similar disasters next year when the next strain of virus strikes or when aliens land on our planet. Certainly, only duly elected public officials can make the final call, but asking for help from an unbiased, outcome-based, decision-making computer just doesn't seem like a bad idea to me. I will somewhat liken this proposal to my firm belief that only when we can employ impartial machines to police our streets will we be able to free ourselves from the human emotions that lead to the abuses of that power. Now, I'm not suggesting that we cede all decision-making to Skynet, only that we look to the power of computing to build models using clean data and to run a thousand scenarios that will show us how best to proceed, given the question at hand. The only reason for not utilizing these tools of technology is politics and the control that will be relinquished by asking for the help. Because without a doubt, the right answers based on clear data that these models will produce will never align with the decision-making politician who does not place the best interests of our country ahead of their hold on power. Please don't get me wrong here. I'm not suggesting that computers can solve all of our problems. It just seems as though we only use them when, when we already know what they're going to tell us and that we're afraid of the truth that may be laid bare. But when the lives of an entire nation are at stake, the quest for an impartial truth should be our single greatest demand. And because we had the technology to do so, there is no excuse for anything less. This is Eric Corey. I hope you just heard a different story. Thank you for listening.